Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? Welcome to another episode of the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. It's me, your man, Marcus Grant, MG. And uh, plenty to do today. We have we are closer to regular football. Last week we did this last Thursday, and we had the Hall of Fame game. Now we have a full slate of NFL preseason games to talk about. But before we get into that and plenty more, uh, I want to say what's up to producer Christina behind the glass. What's going on, Christina? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Are you staying uh, out of the heat? It's been crazy. Trying to, yes. I know. I haven't done any, uh, you know, they used to mock me on the old show that I used to do a lot of weathers talking. I haven't <laughs> I haven't done nearly as much, but it's been hot and it's been humid. So uh, stay inside, stay near some air conditioning. Uh, but as always, we have another guest hanging out in the studio with us. And uh, it's taken us a couple weeks to get, on, uh, to get him on, but uh, we hopefully we'll have him on a few more times before the season is out it is the guy you know you love the fantasy hall of famer michael fabiano fab what's up dude what's up man how you doing it's doing been a while it has been a while how was your summer it went by real fast yes <laughs> and, and, and our summers go by even faster because our summers actually don't come to a conclusion because once august hits That's it's it. still summer for everybody else right but for us it's time to grind. I tell people all the time that NFL summer is like six weeks long. Yep. That's about it. We get mm-hmm. from like, you know, the start of June to like mid to late July. Um, and that's it. Right. Like for, for everybody else, 4th of July is like, oh, yeah, summer's going on for me. Like I, it's the 4th of July and I'm like, well, it's almost over. Yeah. I, I always <laughs> incorporate like the 4th of July and then you've got the last two majors in the PGA. You've mm-hmm. got the British Open. Right. PGA. And then I'm done. Pretty much. That's it. Pretty much. So, uh, yeah, NFL summer is over, but that means we have actual football. Uh, we will talk to Brandon Marianne Lee, who uh, writes and, and hosts at a variety of outlets. We'll get her thoughts on some bounce-back candidates, plus uh, some quarterback values that you might want a little bit later on in your draft. Of course, we will have some tweets, have uh, plenty of things going on in this show. But, as always, let's start with some news. <laughs> Let's do the news. All right, we'll start here in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Philip Rivers says Virgil Green is, quote, getting a feel for the Chargers offense. Now, Virgil Green, a few years ago, was supposed to be this big breakout candidate with the, uh, the Denver Broncos. That never quite happened. In fact, seven seasons, just 71 catches, 807 yards, and four touchdowns. He's always been kind of buried behind somebody else on whatever depth chart he's on. But with the Chargers, Hunter Henry is out for the season. Doesn't look like Antonio Gates is coming back. So... I know, Fabs, I know tight end, you know, it's a position you can generally wait on unless you want a Gronk or a Kelsey or somebody like that. Is Virgil Green, if there's nobody else there, is he worth a look? Or, or is it, you know, is there somebody else on that roster? There's, there's no one on that roster at tight end I want. And <laughs> Virgil Green is someone who has never seen more than 37 targets in a single season. Mm-hmm. He's more of a blocker, not as much of a pass catcher, and, and I would fade that position from a fantasy perspective. I really think a lot of those red zone opportunities that we were expecting Hunter Henry to get will now go to Mike Williams, who to me is moving up as a guy you want to target somewhere in the later rounds. Yeah, and that's a name that I've been keeping an eye on, uh, Mike Williams, because obviously last year you know, was hit, was hurt, didn't get to do a whole lot, but mm-hmm. it, it seems like 
things are trending toward the Chargers going a lot more three wide receiver. And I just I think Mike Williams has some kind of some deep deep sleeper potential, sleeper potential. Yeah, no doubt. That that's an offense that's going to put up points. You know, Philip Rivers to me is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in fantasy football. If you're one of these guys like I am and you wait on quarterbacks and Philip Rivers is sitting there in the 12th, 13th or 14th round, that's a great value. He's got a lot of talent around him and it does stink that, that Henry's out for the season. Boy, the Chargers are just snake bait. So badly. Every single season, so Jason Barrett as well. But um, Rivers is going to bring value, but I just don't see Virgil Green making an impact this season. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't maybe make a run at Antonio Gates again. I thought that was a no-brainer. Right. I really did. Yeah. Julius Thomas is out there, too. Some guys who were once great fantasy players can't get a job. Can't get a job right now, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Uh, moving up the coast to Oakland, James Jones, our own James Jones, saying Martavis Bryant is not picking up John Gruden's playbook. Gruden uh, earlier said about Bryant, he's got to get out there and he's got to play better. Now, there have been some more recent reports that maybe you know they lit a fire under Martavis Bryant, that he's starting to pick things up and he's starting to play a little bit better in practice. I know that he was sort of a dark horse to maybe to be a productive guy, but can you can you really trust Martavis Bryant at this point? At this point, he's not worth more than a late-round flyer, to be quite honest with you. And I think a lot of us, including myself, were enamored with his talent and what we saw in Pittsburgh. He made a couple of catches while a member of the Steelers that were just phenomenal. Right. And he was a guy who could stretch defenses. He was athletic, uh, a guy who was a, an established playmaker there in that offense. But then you had the issues off the field, and suddenly Martavis Bryant now is someone that we're not talking about as a potential draft bargain. I think, number one, because you expect the Raiders to run the football. They've got four running backs back there that are going to do the job for him, including Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin. They add Jordy Nelson. Uh, you've also got, of course, Amari Cooper in that mix. But Martavis, despite all of his athleticism and all of the upside that he showed a couple of seasons back right now, is it's hard to trust him, especially when he's coming onto a season where you really think he should be motivated. Right. And, and it looks like Gruden has to try and motivate him. I don't like that. Well, and on top of that, I mean, there's still, there's still the issue that he may be suspended at some point during mm-hmm. the season. I mean, there hasn't been a lot, of wor- a lot of word about that, but I know it's something that the Raiders are still concerned about. There's a lot of people thinking that you know it could still happen, so we'll keep an eye on that. But you, you mentioned Jordy Nelson. You mentioned Amari Cooper. I mean, Cooper's a guy who has sort of underachieved. Last year was a, a big disappointment. Yeah. Nelson's Besides a guy. Besides, like, two games where right, he was the, awesome. He had the huge game against the Chiefs right. where I think he got – it feels like he got about you know a third of his yards in And then everyone points. was right back on him, start him, and then – Right, and then yeah. nothing. They went back right. to just going to nothing again. Right. But between Cooper – and, and Jordy Nelson, who didn't look like himself last year, mm-hmm. I'm just so worried about the Raider offense from a fantasy perspective this yeah, year. Yeah, no doubt about that. And Marshawn Lynch was, was their best fantasy player last year. They didn't give him the football. Mm-hmm. And then they go and sign Doug Martin. So that makes his status as a potential flex starter RB2, that, that puts it in, into a, a big pile of question marks. But Cooper... I'm seeing in drafts, I'm seeing him move up a little bit. I think people have more faith in him. When John Gruden comes out and says that he's going to be centerpiece of the offense, I think people gravitated more to Cooper because he's still young. He's still got upside, but he's never really been that elite fantasy receiver. Hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns, and I don't know that that's going to change very much, but I do expect him to improve over last year. How could he not because last year was an abject disaster? He was he was awful last year, and even the last two years, yeah, Michael Crabtree was the better fantasy receiver in Oakland. And, and Krabs didn't have a great season either no. based on his previous seasons. You're right. Uh, so, it's, I just, I don't know, the Raiders offense just scares me. I, I'm, I'm, st- I'm avoiding Raiders where Fade. I can. <laughs> I really am. Well, how, how about Eddie Pinheiro? You want him? No, I do not. <laughs> I do not. Um, Devontae Freeman says he expects to draw helmet hit penalties. And this doesn't necessarily, look, Devontae Freeman's draft status, his, 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 his draft position is fairly locked in. We know where he's going to be. He'll be a second-round guy generally in a lot of leagues. But the helmet rule, obviously we saw a bit of it last week in the Hall of Fame game. I'm sure we'll see plenty more as we go through the rest of the preseason. Maybe I'm overthinking this, right? But Mm -hmm. certain guys have certain running styles that could lend them to getting flags called on them more. Again, maybe I'm thinking about this too hard, do you think down the road, maybe not this year, but next year, it will start to change how we scout and draft guys at certain positions? No, I, I don't think so. I think I think at this point you're you're overthinking it a little bit, as you mentioned. Okay. Uh, to me, Freeman is a guy that is going to end up being a second or third round pick, and I know that he came out with a quote talking about uh, blocking. 
after that first game, did you uh, you follow Twitter like way more than <laughs> I did? But it seems like everyone was on that and, and, Everybody and talking was. about how bad it is, mm-hmm. uh, how how it's going to affect a player's fantasy value on the offensive side of the football. I think it's minimal, but it is certainly notable that a lot of players out there are already complaining about that rule right. uh, after one preseason game. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do think that it will calm down a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think what we saw last week, it was obviously the first game for players. Mm-hmm. It was the first game for refs. I think everybody's sort of feeling their way through it. So I, I will admit to maybe you know succumbing to a little bit of hysteria about this whole thing. Um, <laughs> well, that's what we do but, as fantasy owners. Right. We get hysterical about everything. The, the smallest thing everything. We, get, uh, we get all fired up about. Uh, speaking of getting fired up and hysterical about things, Antonio Brown missed practice for a few days. Uh, the, the Steelers were very cautious. They were very coy about what it is. But now everything appears to be okay. Mike Tomlin says that you know Brown's not going to play in the preseason game. That's not really a surprise. But he should be back and and expected to practice after the preseason game. So right, that was that was much ado about nothing, right? Antonio Brown, we're we're cool. Nothing to worry about. I have no problems right now with AB, and uh, really the only thing that could stop me from drafting him in one of the first five picks is an injury that I know is going to keep him out of time for the regular season. Right now, that's not the case. Right, exactly. Uh, Devontae Booker is right now ahead of Royce Freeman on the depth chart. Now, preseason depth charts. Yes. Take them with a whole shaker of salt, you know, because they don't necessarily the mean much. The whole bottle of more. Seriously. Just do that. All of it, um, especially this early in the preseason. But, uh, you know, the Royce Freeman hype maybe is, is slowly calming down a little bit. I mean, this this thing looks like it's going to be – a camp battle all the way until week one. It could be. And I, I, I like to compare Freeman's situation to Kareem Hunt last year. But Kareem Hunt also saw a big rise in value when Spencer Ware went down with that knee injury. And right now, Booker is in the mix. But what I've seen from Booker, I haven't really been that impressed with. And C.J. Anderson was the better running back last season mm-hmm. in, in Denver, and they didn't utilize him nearly enough. And now, of course, he's with the Carolina Panthers. But based on talent, based on upside – Freeman is the guy that I would rather have. Now, with that being said, Hunt was going in the third or fourth round last season in in a lot of drafts because of what happened to Spencer Ware. I don't expect that shift. This is going to be a player that you're going to draft probably in the fifth or sixth round, depending on the size of your league. And at that point, I'm comfortable drafting him because he's probably going to be picked as a flex starter, at least for me, because I don't go with quarterbacks or tight ends in the first five to six rounds. And that's going to eliminate some of the risk for me. But the upside is there. There's going to be at least three or four of these running backs coming into their first seasons in the National Football League who are going to lead their teams in touches, and I believe the backfield touches are going to be really uh, – it's really going to be something that, that Freeman – becomes the guy there at some point. Maybe it's not the first week. Maybe it's not the second week. But at some point, he's going to be the guy there. And at the end of the season, he will lead that team in backfield touches. I feel like the Broncos' offense isn't particularly sexy. I mean, you know, getting obviously yeah. getting Case Keenum is an upgrade. He's like the least sexiest quarterback, right, he out really there is. when it comes to fantasy football. Right. I mean, you know, like he, he's an upgrade certainly over what they had last year. Uh, you know, and there's the hope that, Maybe he can he can revive Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, and now we've got this backfield committee. Something, someone is going to emerge on this roster, whether it's a running back, a wide receiver, what have you. And I think right now the the trick is trying to figure out who exactly that person's going to be. Right? It's always the trick. I mean, we've heard John always say that he envisions Freeman as a three down back, and it is a preseason depth chart. Booker being the top guy is not a surprise uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But just what I've seen from Booker and what I know about Freeman and the upside that he brings to this offense, I don't know that they'll be able to keep him off the field. Yeah, so that's going to be one of I, I just I I'm just curious to watch it. I I want to be excited about Royce Freeman. I haven't I I know that I'm not at the same level that a lot of other analysts are, but I I'm very curious to watch the preseason and see how this thing. goes. I mean, and you're a UC, uh, USC guy, so you've right. seen this kid. I've play. seen him play. I saw him play at Oregon. Yep. Um. So you know, I I. I I'm not gonna. I'm not just gonna say he's a bust. I'm not gonna downgrade the guy. I'm just. I'm just cautious about mm-hmm. him. That's how I am. Yeah. Uh, Cooper Cup reportedly looks unstoppable in camp, and he and Jared Goff seem to have found some sort of mind meld together in practice. Uh, the big addition for the Rams' passing game in the offseason, obviously, was getting Brandon Cooks to go along with Robert Woods. But you know, are, have we? Have we not given Cooper Cup enough credit? I mean, he had a great rookie year. I feel like we're not giving this guy enough credit right now. Yeah, I don't think we are, and it's because of the 
there's just a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, mm-hmm. right? You bring in Brandon Cooks, give him a big contract. You've got Robert Woods, who was great last year. Yep. Uh, in 12 games, uh, had just under 90 targets. And it was Cup who actually led the Rams in targets last year. So that's a big part of the reason why I'm fading Brandon Cooks, and I wouldn't take him as anything more than a wide receiver three, because they're going to spread the football around. But Cup is someone who could be a value. He was a value last year in the late rounds. He's not going off the board early uh, in 2018. He's not even coming off the board in the middle rounds. He's the third Rams wide receiver coming off the board in fantasy drafts, which means he's going to be a late round pick. And if you can get a guy like that who's a playmaker, who certainly has a very good rapport with Jared Goff at that late stage of your draft, this is someone I'd target. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got, and especially PPR leagues is a guy who, who get to get a lot no of questions. targets, has great hands, can find ways to get open, mm-hmm. uh, working out of the slot. So, uh, you know, again, I was big on him last year. I had him kind of as a deep sleeper, and he made me look good. So I'm going to keep riding with Cooper Cup because I think I think he, he and Jared Goff can, can do some great things. The Lions running back situation. Oh, boy. <sighs> like, Every year. It's every like, year. I go back, I mean, to like, you know, they have Reggie Bush, and, you know, you've got – uh, geez, that Tatum Bell, I think it was one year, uh-huh. and then Kevin Jones. I mean, the Lions. Ever since Barry Sanders, I mean, that backfield has been has been a disaster from a fantasy perspective for the most part. Well, right now, Legarrette Blunt is expected to be Detroit's short yardage back, expected to be the goal line back. But we know, I mean, you know, Theo Riddick is still there. They drafted on Johnson. Mm-hmm. Who knows what happened? Look, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Amir Abdullah made a wicked sick cut in a preseason game, and we all went yes. berserk. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> we all went berserk and moved him up our draft boards and got nothing out of it. Um, I mean, I guess the idea of Blunt as the goal line guy gives him a little more cachet but I just I feel like this is another situation that I'm just washing my hands of because it's just there, there's no clarity at all there yeah he's familiar with Matt Patricia from their time together with the Patriots and, and they were together when he had that 18 touchdown season which was ridiculous bonkers came out of nowhere but you're right it's a backfield committee and when there's a backfield committee I like to draft the guy who's got the upside and carry on Johnson has the upside you've heard reports in camp that have been positive about him and pass protection which is good you're not going to be a running back in the National Football League who plays on three downs if you can't pass protect. That's a good situation. But you're also, you know that there is not going to be a lot of pass catching opportunities for Johnson as a rookie because Theo Riddick will be that guy. Uh, but with that being said, you're, you're looking at a situation where not one of these running backs is going to come off the board, even in a PPR league, in the top 60 or 70 picks. Riddick could be the first guy to go off in a PPR league based on his ability to catch the football. But... There's more to be excited about with the Lions pass catchers, Marvin Jones, and of course, uh, Golden Tate and Kenny Galladay than there is with this running back situation because it's really looking like it's going to end up being a committee. And if I was to pick anybody, I picked the upside, I picked a rookie. I wouldn't expect much. I'm looking right now at fantasy football calculator, and Carry On Johnson is is coming off the board on average late sixth round, and so I, I think people are buying too the upside high for but me, man. I was like, I, people are buying the it's upside, but man, that's rich. I wouldn't want that. No, I, I would not take him that high. That that's the neighborhood where I think Royce Freeman should go fifth or sixth round. Carry On Johnson to me, with two or three other guys, depending on what you believe about Mayor Abdullah's impact or non-impact this season, I'm not going there. I feel like we should start calling Carry On Johnson Kansas. Yes, because every time I see his name, Carry On, on My, my wayward, wayward Son. It's kind of like we're going to run that into the ground this year, so everybody yeah. just just get ready for that because we're, we're going to wear that one out. So uh, anyway, the, the long and short of it is the Lions backfield do not want, at least for me. Um, last little bit of training camp preseason scuttlebutt. Albert Wilson, the bird alert, uh, is expected to play all over the field, including – getting some snaps at running back. Now, I wouldn't expect a ton of backfield snaps just because, you know, Kenyon Drake uh, and Frank Gore are back there, and, you know, who knows if, if we'll see Kalen Balaj at all back there. Or so I don't. I expect Wilson, if we see him back there, it's more of a gadget thing. But there's no clear-cut number one receiver in this offense. And, you know, I don't know if Albert Wilson has the makeup to be that guy, but he certainly has a situation where he can get a lot of targets this year. Yeah, no question about that in a best-case scenario, but when you look at the depth charts and you see Danny Amendola is currently ahead of him, you've got Devontae Parker, of course, and Kenny Stills, who I think, you know, I don't know if there's any sleepers anymore, but based (laughs) on where Kenny Stills will be drafted, I guess you can put him as a quote-unquote sleeper. Uh, Wilson, to me, is interesting as a late-round flyer 
because, as you said, there's not that clear number one. Devontae Parker hasn't really grabbed that uh, during his time at the pros. So he's worth a late-round flyer, but there are a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. I still have questions about Ryan Tannehill. They've got a pass-catching running back in Kenyon Drake. So Wilson's not somebody that I'm targeting outside of probably the last three or four rounds of my drafts. You mentioned Devontae Parker and mm-hmm. a a trope of the preseason and the offseason in the fantasy world was this is the year this is the Devontae we're done with that right he's kind of like the Amir Abdullah of wide receivers right because (laughs) every year we were like all right it's this year for Amir Abdullah it's this year for Amir Abdullah and then nothing happened and it's kind of like that for Parker if he can't get off the schneid and be the guy this year because he's in a perfect situation to earn that spot then you're done with him You're absolutely done with him. And this is a guy who was a high draft pick of the Miami Dolphins just a few years ago, has not been able to stay healthy. When he has played, he showed flashes at times, but he's never been able to put it together and be a consistent wide receiver. Now, with Jarvis Landry out of the mix, that's a lot of targets that are up for grabs in Miami. I need to see more from Parker before I'm going to go out there and promote him as anything more than a fourth wide receiver on your fantasy team. No, I agree. I mean, he, he's another guy who I, I guess if you have the, the intestinal fortitude, you can take a late-round flyer on him. I would tend to just let him be someone else. And so far, the reports out of camp have not really been favorable. Right. I mean, again, that we're talking about Albert Wilson. So that's I think that says a lot about you know how things are going for Devontae Parker right, right now. And that's pretty much all the news you need to know. That was the news. Have you ever made pastrami at home? How about some smoked salmon? Slab bacon? Duck confit, perhaps? I mean, who hasn't? It's easy to make all that and more right at home with Jewel sous vide. Jewel makes it easy to try cooking new recipes and cuts of meat at home because there's zero guesswork and food is never under or overcooked. Jewel heats food to the exact right temperature and holds it there. Beef, poultry, pork, seafood, veggies, desserts, practically Everything comes out exactly the way you like it. Jewel also makes a great companion to your grill or smoker. It separates the cooking step from the finishing step, so meats come out perfectly tender and juicy on the inside and get that charred, crispy bark on the outside. Mm -mm. And it's easy to prepare these new recipes for a crowd. If it fits in a large cooler, then you can cook it with Jewel. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash jewel and use code FANTASY to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code FANTASY. Jewel, perfect food every time. All right, well, we are joined, of course, by Michael Fabian, the Fantasy Hall of Famer. And uh, you wrote recently, actually just yesterday, about some names that are on the rise in training camp. In fact, if you want to go check it out, you can go to nfl.com slash Fabiano and, uh, and find that there. And... Top at the list, and no surprise here, uh, Andrew Luck, who we have all been, we've been waiting for two years for the return of Andrew Luck. And, you know, I will say personally, I have gone from, you know, frustration to skepticism every time the Colts gave us a report to now I'm starting to buy in. Like, I'm starting to believe, like, this is real, right? Like, please tell me I'm not going to get my heart broken this year. Well, heck, you can't. I mean, I might, but. You you, you can't predict injuries typically, but he's looked good so far, and and let's not forget, Andrew Luck, in his last three full seasons, I mean, this is a guy who's, who's you know been a top two or three quarterback twice. Mm. He's a playmaker, and he's in an offense with T.Y. Hilton with some additions in uh, Ryan Grant, of course, and, and Deion Kane, who's really drawn rave reviews at Colts camp. There's some weapons there. There's some young weapons there. And if you want to build your strategy around waiting on a quarterback, Andrew Luck if you've got the gumption, if you're a guy who's who's out there and, and willing to take a gamble on a player, he could end up being one of the bigger steals in fantasy football drafts because a lot of us out there say, what have you done for me lately? Last year, clearly he didn't play. This year, so far, so good. And I, I'm surprised his ADP hasn't started to rise a little bit. Maybe after a few preseason games, it will. But at this point, he's still going in the double-digit rounds. And, and this is a guy... Listen, he's not a little older guy. This is a this is a player who's been consistent. He's been solid from a fantasy perspective. He's been an elite player. You could have put him up there right with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees just a few seasons ago. If things continue to go well for Andrew Luck in camp and in the preseason, this kid's value is going to start rising. Right now, if you're drafting, he's someone I'm targeting late because that could end up being a pot of gold. I would say if you are interested in targeting Andrew Luck, 
have your draft sooner rather than later. Yes. Because if yes. he goes out, if he goes out and he balls in any of these preseason games, forget it. That ADP is going to shoot up. Yeah. So if you no want, doubt. if you want Andrew Luck, if you want Andrew Luck at a value draft price, schedule your draft like right now. <laughs> you know, because otherwise, like I said, if, if he plays well. Uh, then you're going to have to pay a little bit more to, to get him on your roster. You know, the other part of it, you mentioned T.Y. Hilton. You mentioned, uh, you know, Deion Kane and, and Ryan Grant as the receivers there. How much How much does it if, – if, you know, and I'm not wishing this, if something goes sideways and we end up seeing Jacoby Brissett, how much does that impact the draft value of those pass catchers there? Oh, well, if you listen to Jim Irsay, he wouldn't trade a first-round pick for Jacoby Brissett. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I don't know that I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> this is a guy who also, uh, you know, traded for Trent Richardson, but that's neither here nor there. So it, it, it greatly affects it. Look at T.Y. Hilton's production last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was still targeted, but those targets were clearly not – those weren't – uh, positive targets a lot of the times. Let's right. put it that way. They will be positive targets when Andrew Luck's throwing them the football. You've also got Eric Ebron in that mix and Jack Doyle as well. Andrew Luck's addition to this team on the field is going to increase the value of every player in that offense. And I'm talking about running backs all the way down to tight ends. If he suddenly has some sort of setback, you're going to end up seeing guys drop in terms of their ADP, including T.Y. Hilton, who right now is coming off the board as a wide receiver too. And that has everything to do with Andrew Luck's return and the positive reports that we've seen about the quarterback so far in the preseason and in camp. I feel like everything I have written or said about a Colts player this offseason has been prefaced with as long if as Andrew, Andrew Luck, Luck is, is healthy, healthy. right? Yes. So, yep. so I, you know, I'm starting to like discard that part of it and just kind of I'm, I'm operating on I'm the right principle there with that, you. that he's healthy. Uh, in San Francisco, Marquise Goodwin. Uh, you know, I've, I've been saying that the 49ers are every fantasy analyst's favorite sleeper offense. And I don't even know if that's the case anymore. I think everybody's just, you know, on board with the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but Marquise Goodwin, who finished the season, finished last season strong, partially in, because Pierre Garcon was was out with an injury. But I feel like this is a guy that you know, we talk about wide receivers. Even with the love that we're giving him as as a player on the rise, I think he still deserves more love just because of what he can do potentially in this offense. Yeah, and he's a he potential value, and I, I see that in in the ADP data right now. He is someone that you can get at a pretty decent price. the The rapport that he gained with Garoppolo in the second half of last year can't be overlooked and if you read reports right now coming out of Niners camp that rapport is there and it continues to get stronger I've even been in drafts uh, where Garcon is being picked behind uh, Marquise Goodwin and Goodwin is a player that hey he is a speecher he can absolutely stretch defenses he can take the top off a of defense he's a best ball stud potentially mm-hmm. uh, based on his skill set and based on the offense that that's surrounding him so Goodwin is someone that I'm certainly going to be targeting as well. Uh, you're seeing a lot of positive reports uh, out of camps on wide receivers at this point. We mentioned Deion Kane, Marquise Goodwin's another one. Chris Godwin's another one. Keelan Cole's another one as well. So all players to keep in mind in the later rounds. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Pierre Garçon briefly. I mean, he was having a pretty good year he before he got hurt. Uh, had to miss the last half of the season. So, uh, you know, he's another one. I just wonder, are we, are we hyping Jimmy Garoppolo too much? I don't know, man. Garoppolo, <laughs> what, 5-0 and last year. Uh-huh. In his five starts, he was well, the QB 10. 6-0 and if you count the coin flip against the Raiders uh, for true. the draft. <laughs> <laughs> so, heck, the one thing about the NFL, I say it every single year, uh, it's, only, it's only predictable in, in its unpredictability. So, we look at what's going on during camp. We look at the talent they brought in. They bring in a Jarek McKinnon. They've got Marquise Goodwin, Pierre Garçon coming back, Trent Taylor there as well, George Kittle. Uh, who's got upside and showed some potential at the end of last season. Garoppolo is a huge improvement over the quarterbacks that the Niners were throwing out there uh, even last season and seasons past. I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Brady. I guess maybe he thinks he's better than Tom Brady. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but this kid seems to have that it factor. And when your quarterback has that it factor, you, you've sort of got that, that situation where it's a domino effect and, and the wide receivers play better. They score more fantasy points. The running game is better. So Garoppolo... He is a he is a big part of what could potentially be 
a very good offense from a fantasy perspective in San Francisco. I would tell you that Jimmy Garoppolo is already a star in the Bay Area, and when you figure the you know the Golden State Warriors have Steph Curry and Kevin Durant for uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo to be a huge star up there says uh, they already love and now him. they have Boogie Cousins. I mean that team is ridiculous up there. I'm, I'm not going to apologize. I, I suffered through a lot of terrible oh, no. years with that team. So. Wait, 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 but what about what about Run TFC? Right, you had that. You had Mitch. Oh Richmond, man, you had Chris Mullen. I mean, I will tell you after they traded uh, Tim Hardaway to the Warriors, I or to the uh, the Miami Heat. I wouldn't take my Tim. I was just like a sophomore in college. I wouldn't take my poster down for like a full year. My oh, roommate, wow. my roommate had to almost have an intervention with me to get me to take the poster <laughs> down because I was so heartbroken. So, yeah. Um, up to Seattle, Chris Carson is getting some love, and now you know after the draft. After the draft, I think we all assumed well. The Seahawks traded up to get Rashad Penny. They got him at the end of the first round. That means he's the starter, right? Like absolutely, positively has to be. But. Chris Carson is just hanging around, and he's getting get rave reviews from Pete Carroll, no less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's even talk that maybe he could be the starter in week one. And his draft price versus pennies is incredible. Like, I know. Th- this is the guy, at least for right now, it seems like if you're targeting a Seattle back, maybe it's Chris Carson? <laughs> Our lives can't be easy, can they, Mark? No, of Nothing can not. ever be easy. <laughs> you figure the Seahawks take a guy in the first round who wasn't projected to be a first-round pick. They love him. They said that they would have picked him even if they hadn't traded down in the first round. I don't know if I believe that or not. But Chris Carson, he flashed a little bit last season. We didn't see a huge sample size of this kid. But everything that I've seen and read and been told, he's not going away. And Rashad Penny is someone who never really was asked to catch the ball out of the backfield at San Diego State, wasn't asked to pass protect a whole lot at San Diego State. They still drafted him with the intention of him being a three-down back. But with that being said, a committee situation – is certainly possible in Seattle. I've started to see Penny's ADP drop a little bit. Clearly, Carson's is moving on up, but Penny has the more upside. Penny is the guy they invested more in. So I'm still drafting Rashad Penny between this the, this duo, but I would not be surprised if this is a committee situation if Chris Carson continues to play as well as he has in camp. The one thing about Chris Carson, and and I don't remember who pointed it out on Twitter, but but it is worth worth discussing because like, we've we've to a person said, you know, Chris Carson was the best of the Seattle running backs last year, which is true, although that bar wasn't very high. You go back and you look at his game logs. Yeah, he was, wasn't great. There was one. He wasn't great. There was one pretty good yeah. game. Yeah. He had a game uh, against the 49ers. Uh, he had 20 carries for 93 yards. He never scored a touchdown last year. Yep. The other games, 39 yards, 34 yards, 42 yards. So, like, I mean, I feel like when we say Chris Carson was the best of the Seattle running backs, like we're grading on a serious curve. We're talking there. about J.D. McKissick and Mike Davis and, and, and a washed-up Eddie Lacy. I mean, Thomas Rawls was banged up. So, yeah, you're right, and, and you make a great point. And as I mentioned, I said he flashed a little bit last season, but it wasn't like this guy came out and it was gangbusters. Right. He was the best of a mediocre bunch. Now, I don't know what that says to me about what Penny is or isn't doing <laughs> right. in camp right now. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, you mentioned it. Pete Carroll said that Chris Carson is the star of the of the offseason. This guy has really worked hard to potentially be the starter in Seattle. A committee situation is not out of the, of the realm of possibility. It's not what we had hoped for when you saw the Seahawks draft Penny in the first round. But this is a situation to monitor clearly uh, throughout the preseason. One more name to talk about, and you can read the rest of Fab's list uh, at NFL.com slash Fabiano. But uh, John Ross, who you know, he burst onto the scene at the Combine. He sets the record for the fastest 40 time ever, although he may or may not have won himself a private island. I don't know how that <laughs> ended up. But then during the season, he just vanished. He was injured. injured. He had uh, one touch. It was a carry. He fumbled. Yeah. That was it. And that was the last time we saw John Ross. But – Apparently, he has worked himself out in the offseason. I don't know if he's BSOHL. I don't know if he's in the best shape of his life or Mm -hmm. not. But whatever he did, it was good enough for the Bengals to trade Brandon LaFell away. So that means the door is open for this kid to come in and make plays. And it seems like right now the reviews are kind of positive. Is, is Is that tempting you to at least consider him late in drafts right now? It's tempting me to consider him, but I'm not certainly uh, so excited that I'm going to try and, and overdraft for this kid. And if you look at the trend of, of wide receivers who are drafted highly, outside of that one year with the class when you had OBJ and Mike Evans, I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about. You know, th- there have been a couple of outliers, but overall the wide receiver position has not done well 
uh, in terms of the, the guys who were, were predicted to put up great numbers, the first name that comes to mind, of course, is Laquan Tread Treadwell in Minnesota, who's done absolutely nothing for the Vikings. But Ross is someone, to me, I don't know if he's a one-dimensional wide receiver or not. He's a guy who's got the speed. He looks like the, the number two guy right now mm. in Cincinnati. Now, with that being said, I don't know how effective that offense is going to be overall. The offensive line should be better. They should be better than they were last year because last year they were, they were quite dreadful. But he's certainly someone that you're keeping an eye on, and, and that was sort of the, the, the whole emphasis of this column. Some of these guys you know, maybe some of these guys you don't, but they're worth checking out in terms of what they're doing in camp, what reports we're getting on them, and what they're doing in the preseason. And Ross is certainly on that list now. You, you talk about some of these these receivers in the last few years who've been drafted in the first round. I'll just go through, through some of the names of them. Well, even just last year. Like so last year, yeah, Corey Davis, who you know had his injury issues. Mm -hmm. Mike Williams, who was injured. John Ross. You go back to 2016, and it's Corey Coleman, who just got traded. Will, Will Fuller, who's been hurt. Josh Doxson, who has been up and down. Uh, Laquan Treadwell, who you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, 2015. Uh, Amari Cooper, right now, probably the best of that group, I guess. Uh, Kevin White, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, who had a good season last year, Brashad Perriman, Philip Dorsett. I just, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. I mean, I'm going, so you go back to 2014. That was the good year, right? Where yep. you, had, you had Sammy Watkins, uh, but Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, mm -hmm. Brandon Cooks. Yep. Um, you know, Kelvin Benjamin's been up and down. So, I mean, that, that was the big year, but since then, Wide receivers drafted in the first round have been a general disappointment. No question. Um, that's why maybe you only saw two of them this past year. D DJ <laughs> Moore, true. DJ Moore, who I know is getting a lot of love in Carolina, and, yep. and Calvin Ridley, who you know I'm I'm reserving judgment on. A lot of mouths to feed there. Yeah, I just mm -hmm. I don't know how he quite fits uh, in that offense. So again, check it out NFL.com/slash/Fabiano. His camp players on the rise. I assume you'll be maybe writing a camp players who are on the decline, perhaps? Maybe? I could potentially do that. That's uh, that's certainly in the mix. There's going to be some more columns that I write based on the preseason and based on what we're hearing from camps. So there's also some good notes in this column, too. Uh, talk to some guys who are close to teams. Joe Shad with the Miami Dolphins. Talk to our Ian Rappaport uh, about the Cleveland Browns backfield situation. So definitely keep an eye on that because those little nuggets that you hear, whether it's from me, uh, from sources that I have, from Marcus, whoever it might be. Sometimes those can really unearth some deep sleepers uh, in your fantasy football drafts. And I think guys like Keelan Cole, for example, who's really looks good in camp for the Jaguars, is a potential example of that. Mike Kosicki, too, the tight end for mm -hmm. the Miami Dolphins. Pass protection's been an issue, but who do they have right now? I know he's buried on the depth chart right now, but preseason depth charts are really meaningless at this point. So he's another player to keep an eye on. Uh, also, I, I think you should call up Ian Rappaport and ask him if his heart is okay after that giant burger. Did you see that burger thing he ate yesterday? Wait, he ate that whole thing? I don't know if he ate the whole thing. That thing was bigger than him. I, I know. I don't know if he ate the whole thing, but I did see him attempt to pick it up and try to take a bite. And, like, I felt like he had to, like, unhinge his jaw like Shaggy and oh Scooby gosh. to try to get that thing in there. I, 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 I do like to watch that kind of thing, though, like man versus food. Mm -hmm. It's like a guilty pleasure. I want to watch a dude try and eat a whole lot of food without being sick. <laughs> and and, and I, I certainly watched that. And Rappaport is not a big dude. I can't see him eating right. a burger that big. Right. But if he did, more power to him. Jeez. I mean, that, that thing weighs almost as much as he It's does. gigantic. Some of the food that they're coming out with now at baseball stadiums and right. football. I mean, really? Well, see, I feel like baseball had kind of had the market on this. and But now I guess, you know, football is like, hey, we can't be the only – we can't let baseball be the only sport that's trying to kill its fans. Yeah, exactly. So, so we got to get in on yeah, this Yeah, these, these meals need to come with, like, you know, a side of Pepto-Bismol or something. Or at least a Surgeon General's warning. Yeah, this is true. The wait is nearly over. Football is almost here, folks, which means it's fantasy football season and FanDuel has never been more fun or easy to play. If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the place to play. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. Don't believe us? How's this sound? This season, FanDuel is running a free $250,000 Survivor Contest. This is the biggest free Survivor Contest ever. Here's how it works. You pick one team to win each week, and you can't reuse that team again for the rest of the season. This locks before week one, so don't miss your chance and sign up now. To get into that free $250,000 Survivor Contest, just go to FanDuel.com slash FantasyLive. That's FanDuel.com slash FantasyLive. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. Come play at FanDuel.com slash FantasyLive. Anyway, uh, so John Ross, we mentioned one of those guys who are looking for a bounce back this year. We'll go to the phones and talk to somebody who has a list of some other potential bounce backs. 
We are joined now by Brandon Marianne Lee. You can find her on Twitter at BrandonHerFF. She is a host on SiriusXM Fantasy. She is an analyst for Fantasy Alarm and The Athletic, also a writer at CBS Sportsline. And uh, Brandon, am I forgetting anything? Mother of Dragons, Breaker of Chains. Is there anything else, <laughs> any other title I need to be adding here to, to your, your laundry list of things? Uh, no, I, th- I think you're pretty good with those. So, But you can find everything, at, again, at Twitter on Twitter at uh, Brandon, her FSB. All right, cool. Well, what I should start with, you just recently ended, you had uh, your own podcast, the uh, the Her Fantasy Football podcast that uh, you did with your sisters. And you just, I know you guys just recently ended that after five years, but what what was that like? How much fun was that to be able to do a, a fantasy football podcast with family? Oh, it was amazing. And I mean, a lot of people don't understand it. It's, it's really more the boring stuff is why we're not doing it. And in terms of the actual fantasy analysis and doing the show and everything else, uh, you know, we also had our show on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, that all was fantastic, but it was the, uh, let's say, business part of it, doing the newsletters, having a website, doing all of those <laughs> other things that are pretty crazy. Uh, that, that was what kind of won us after five years. But it is really great to be able to, I mean, we listen. I mean, it, we share the same gene pool, really. I mean, it's just that we would agree on things, but we don't. And so that's just how fun this game is. It just doesn't matter. It just—it everyone's individual, and everyone brings something different to the table, and that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like it would have been a, a lot of fun to do. But uh, you are still staying busy with plenty of other things, and, and you recently wrote about ten bounce-back candidates to target in 2018. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on a few of them. The first one, Eli Manning, right? And and. As I've looked at the Giants' offense more and more, I'm starting to kind of come around and get excited about this group. Eli, to me, is is kind of the wild card. You know, there have been concerns about his arm strength, the fact that he still throws a lot of picks. Uh, you know, s- sell me on why I shouldn't be worried about Eli Manning this year. Oh, you should absolutely be worried. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to act like that. <laughs> Not what you should do. Uh, but I think that there is uh, an argument fact that his ADP is so, so low. And when you consider the fact that Derek Carr has had zero seasons of over 4,000 passing yards and has never scored a rushing touchdown in his entire career. And those guys are going ahead of Eli Manning, who has all these weapons. And by the way, they surround him with weapons because they genuinely believe that he can take them to another championship. Now, do I agree with that? Not necessarily. But those (laughs) weapons are at least going to help out from a fantasy perspective. And we've seen him do it before. And as far as I'm concerned, I think that that is something you have to consider when you can get the guy before your kicker. You mentioned the rushing touchdown. As as you were saying that, I went and looked up Eli Manning's rushing touchdowns because I was kind of curious. And I will say that six is far more than I would have given him credit for over the course of his career. (laughs) Right? I know. Listen, obviously, he can't even pivot, which is my real problem with him. You know? I mean, when a defender's coming, he collapses. It's bizarre. But... Man, those weapons are legit, and I am really excited about Odell coming back. I think that we don't talk enough about how great he is. You know, it's you know recency bias or what have you, but he's a fantastic athlete. Evan Engram, just even his rookie season proved a ton. Sterling Shepard proved that he can step into the role. I think they just have too many weapons to ignore, and his ADP is just irrationally low, considering we know he can do it. Will he do it? Maybe, maybe not, but... Man, they have set him up to succeed. Yeah, I mean, I think you talk about recency bias, and I think I think that has a lot to do with why Manning's ADP is where it is. I think, you know, the last we remember of of Eli Manning was him irrationally being benched for Geno Smith to end his starting streak, and then coming back the very next week. So. Uh, I feel like that, that's the last we saw of him, and so that, that's the thing that, that sticks with everybody. Fair or not, I think that's just what it is. Um, Agreed. Over to Joe Mixon there in Cincinnati. And and coming out of college, uh, when he was in that draft class a couple years ago, I felt like he was by far the most talented running back in that draft class. But he ended up in an offense that was sort of meh, kind of oatmeal. Um, behind an offensive line that wasn't particularly great. And then it turned out that Gio Bernard started getting more work and it started cutting into his workload. Uh, you obviously feel like this is a new year and, and there are some new changes that, that make Joe Mixon worth a second look this year. Well, one of the things that I sort of I addressed in this article, and one of the things that actually her fantasy football was known for, is that we were the original Joe Mixon haters 
from the get-go, we were like, do not draft this guy in the fourth round. Do not do this. This is, this is irrational. And the reasons why he's kind of fixed, uh, or the team is fixed, a little bit. So one was that he showed up at camp heavy, 20 pounds heavier than what he was playing in in college. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really reported that much. But when you watched him play, you could see that he just did not have the same burst. It wasn't even close. Uh, also, he was known for patience. He's a Le'Veon Bell type, so he's the guy that sits back there, uh, waits for the hole, and then can make some magic happen. Well, he's playing for the Bengals. That hole is not coming. (laughs) So it's not going to happen for him. So he would just sit back there, and when you watch the tape, too, you see him just sitting there, and then all of a sudden he'll get hit behind the line of scrimmage, and now he's lost five yards. So anything he did the the play before that has now been negated. And people would send me gifts because I was the original hater, being like, no, but see, look, he, he looks amazing here. But sometimes these gifts were of negative yardage. Like, okay, he looks good, but he literally got you negative one fantasy point on that play. So I think that there's a possibility he can break through because they did make some improvements on the offensive line. He has cut down on the weight. He's realized that his athleticism is not going to carry him all the way like it did before. He's in the NFL now. That's not going to work. Everybody's athletic. It's a joke. So I think he's learned his lesson, and maybe that's what he needed was a good humbling. You know, and I think I think that is a big thing. You know, the guys who are super talented, who I won't say coast on talent alone, but certainly are are talented enough to outclass their competition at the college level, there is that, that rude awakening, uh, you know, when you get to the NFL and mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, every everybody was a first team, you know, all conference or whatever, you know, like all these guys were stars at some level. So, you know, I, I'm curious to see, and you mentioned the, the offensive line changes there and, and the upgrade there. That has to be a big deal uh, with this group. Although I ask, any any worries that, that Gio Bernard maybe comes in and, and vultures some, some opportunities away from him? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if Joe Mixon falters in any way in terms of work ethic and um, drive, let's be honest here. By every single metric, Giovanni Bernard was better than him last year. Mm-hmm. There was not one metric where Joe Mixon was better. Right. So he has to prove himself because Giovanni Bernard's only 26 years old. I know it feels like he's been in the NFL <laughs> since like the 20s, but he's only 26 years old. So it's not like they can't use him. I do think he will get some um, playing time, if anything, to just keep Mixon motivated, to be entirely frank. But uh, I'm not exceedingly worried. I think this team does want to commit to Mixon. And they did, for all intents and purposes. They did commit to him. He just didn't do anything with the touches. That was It was all on him. If you look back, he did get opportunities. He just couldn't make it happen. And then when Gio did, he did make it happen. But Gio was a veteran. Gio already knew that they had a bad offensive line, so he already adapted. I just think that there was a lot of learning that happened for Joe Mixon, so I do think he takes a big step forward. One more name I want to get to, to ask you about for, for the bounce backs, Deshaun Jackson. And I, I thought when he signed with Tampa, I was over the moon. You know, I was one of the people who was hyping the Bucks offense and it was going to be the big sleeper breakout fantasy offense. Uh, and it didn't happen. I mean, somehow, as fast as Deshaun Jackson is, Jameis Winston just couldn't connect with him. I, at some point, I started joking, we should have sent Jameis to Iraq because he could have overthrown Saddam Hussein. I mean, that's how bad it was in that offense mm-hmm. last year. Is 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 there something about DJX, or have, have, do you think they've worked out the kinks so that the things we thought would happen last year, maybe we start to see them this year? Well, I, I mentioned in the article that Greg Allman of the uh, Tampa Bay Times said that uh, Coach Cutter... Um, He actually made an entire tape of Deshaun Jackson being in the right place Mm -hmm. so that the offense couldn't get the ball. Like an entire, like, you know, movie of Deshaun Jackson still having the skills. And that's what inspires me is that everybody knows what the problem is and they're working to fix it. So if it is going to get fixed, it this is this is the moment. But it wasn't because of Deshaun Jackson himself, because we have to kind of look at when, when someone doesn't produce one year out of their career, is it because they can't do it anymore or were there other circumstances? And that's why I always say that I put um, fantasy stats and everything in context. Without context, we just can't know. And really, the, the decline was all based off of Jameis Winston. Here's from Jameis Winston. A, he's suspended, so that's not good. But B, uh, he is highly inaccurate and only looks at his first read, which is Mike Evans. And then Mike Evans catches the ball and then sits down. 
I mean, God love Mike Evans, but if your <laughs> yards after the catch are less than your height, substantially, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Like, like yeah, that means you're not even falling forward. So something is going amiss. So they're going to have to diversify to be able to make themselves dynamic. And I do think what they're going to do I, is they're going to they're going to take this Deshaun Jackson tape and they're going to have to figure out how to get the ball in his hands. And the great news is Deshaun Jackson's the opposite. He's great after the catch. Mm-hmm. He's great on these big plays. So he doesn't need as much volume as other people to get to that thousand yard category of of wide receivers he's done it numerous times in his career you know it was just two years ago you know he had caught 56 passes for a thousand and five yards and four touchdowns and that's when he was with another guy also with a thousand yards Pierre Garçon and then another guy Jameson Crowder who actually led the team in touchdowns they had three main guys and he still got over a thousand yards so I have to believe that they're going to right this wrong at least in some way this season and I'm wishing for the best so you still so then do you believe that uh, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, and now Chris Godwin can all potentially eat in this offense? No, I mean I think Chris Godwin is going to be highly overdrafted in fantasy leagues. I like Chris Godwin. I just think he's going to be definitely the the number three guy, mm. like by a long shot. Because he just you know I think I still think Deshaun Jackson has that big play upside that mm. that they need. Um, Godwin's a little bit more of a security blanket, but you know what? Actually, if you believe it or not, in standard PPR leagues, like full point, Adam Humphrey's got a lot of work. Yep. Someone's going to have to go in there and take away those touches, right? I mean, come on. That, that, that's where I think some of the Godwin work's going to come from because I, I, I just can't believe that they're going to continue doing Humphreys in the slot that heavily. They're going to have to mix some guys in there and then mix it up a little bit. So, um, that's where I think that's going to come from. So I, I guess I, I also say Chris Cousins going to be fine, but I do think Deshaun Jackson is still number two. Talking to Brandon Marianne Lee, you can hear her on Sirius XM Fantasy and read her at a number number of different places across the internet. Uh, you wrote, also wrote about waiting on quarterbacks, which is sort of the you know is the mantra of many fantasy analysts. And uh, you had a, a, a few names there, one of which Jared Goff. And obviously last year he took the huge leap forward. So many people, fairly or unfairly, kind of wrote him off after an awful rookie year but took a step forward with with Sean McVay. How much higher do you think his ceiling is in this offense? Well, I think that he is the ultimate streamer. Mm -hmm. He is – it was amazing. If you go back and you look at the 2017 numbers, Sean McVay is an incredibly good coach. And like Bill Belichick, what he does is that he plays – against that team he doesn't just say oh this is what my team does he says oh this team is bad against the run so i'm just going to ride the todd Gurley train all day oh this team is bad against the pass so i'm going to have Goff just take the reins and throw it to all of these gazillion of receivers we have out here and it was like clockwork so if you're going to wait if you're going to have one of these guys you're going to plug in and play and have a couple guys that are late i just think Goff is the perfect perfect guy for that because if you go back and look at the game logs it's incredibly clear what they're going to do and and you would say well maybe that's not going to work because the defenses are going to know that well not necessarily because if they're just bad at that particular skill set they're bad at that skill set it doesn't matter i mean that used to be the whole mantra right you just you you do it if you're better than the other people at doing that thing and that's what they're doing and it's from a coaching perspective so it's kind of genius I, I, you know listen does he have to be better he was already one of the top guys last year He's yeah. just not getting drafted like it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's a guy, you know, he was kind of a, a fringe QB1. I think I think you're right. I think as a streamer, I can definitely see it. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that he's a guy who will get overdrafted this year based on, you know, obviously seeing what he did last year. And we always have this belief, I think, as analysts that, for the most part, that, that you have to keep getting better, right? Like, he got better in his second year, and now he's got another year with Sean McVay, so he's going to get even better. And I think that's kind of a fallacy. Uh, of what we do in a- analysis wise, but uh, I do think I think as a streamer, I think I think you're right on track. Um, and Sam Bradford, obviously he's in Arizona now. They've got David Johnson, they've got Larry Fitzgerald. They're trying out a lot of other new receivers there. My big question is one, you know, can he stay healthy? And two, Josh Rosen. I mean, those are the things about Sam Bradford that that frighten me. Your thoughts? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh, for me. He is your week one must play against Washington. Mm-hmm. Later in the season, dicey. That's actually how I end it. You know, that's why we have waivers and trades. 
Absolutely. Mm. But when Sam Bradford's on the field, from a fantasy perspective, he produces. He's also incredibly accurate. And the team is building a playbook right now as we speak that will work for both Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen because they're very similar quarterbacks. So we're not having some sort of weird thing where, like, for instance, in Baltimore, if it's Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson, those are two different skill sets and completely different playbooks are necessary, right? Whereas this is seamless. This is no big deal. I think they're going to start with Bradford. I think he's going to be just a solid play. And you don't need to draft him until the pick before your kicker, even if you're in like a 28-round league. It's unbelievable. (laughs) He's not even being drafted anywhere. But if you're playing DFS or if you're playing in best ball and you're wanting to wait on quarterback and you're like, you know what, maybe I'll just do this like pairing of these two dudes at the end, I think they're still going to get quite a few fantasy points. Because believe it or not, David Johnson only had six fewer receiving yards in 2016 than Devontae Adams had in 2017 when he was a top wide receiver. That's not even including the 1,200 rushing yards. So they're going to have receivers named David Johnson even. So (laughs) I I just feel like there are going to be fantasy points to be had there. It's just confusing because of Josh Rosen. But I think that from a strategy perspective, if you're looking for some dart throw upside kind of crazy guy, I think no one's talking about him because of Josh Rosen. I think especially at the beginning of the season, that could be a mistake. Well, interesting to keep an eye on. That's one, I think, uh, a QB situation I think a lot of us will be watching. But, uh, Brandon, before I let you go, I always like to ask for my guests their, their pick of pop, the, the thing in pop culture that they are really digging right now that they feel like everybody else needs to check out. Oh, everybody needs to check out, huh? I actually just got caught up on The Crown, and I'm really disturbed that they're changing actors on us. And I know I'm not really like an Anglophile or whatever, but <laughs> I just think it's a little weird. And I wonder if that's the future of television, that these like epic stories now become, you know, oh, these actors play it for a couple of years. Then these actors play it for a couple of years and people age that way. I wonder if this is going to become a trend. Also, what is up with popular movie for the Oscar category? That's I, not right. I don't I don't know. Like, How do they determine what wins best popular picture is it, I, I don't understand is it, is it the one that makes the most money is it, I, I don't is it is it the rotten tomatoes award the one that gets the best rating on rotten tomatoes i don't understand how that's going to work yeah like what does popular even mean and in an era where everyone's streaming and at home being on netflix do we care not really like is what it, is that even yeah so i was right? like, i i actually use the oscars because i am not one even i live here in the movie capital of the world in los angeles i don't necessarily see all of the oscar movies i tend to watch the oscars as a way to figure out what movies i should go see next so i don't know if it, but i feel like if it's a popular movie i probably would have already seen it so that's not going to help me a whole lot no i agree it's not helpful at all and not only that, but maybe some of these popular movies should be considered for actual awards. Actual, How about that? An actual Oscar, right, like maybe a Best Picture Oscar. Who knows? And they, by the way, your thing about changing actors in a TV show, I'm still mad about the second Aunt Viv on, uh, on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, so uh, I understand that. I read a big article about that just like a couple months ago, very random, mm-hmm. but about how it was such a drama and that like, it's still like a point of contention and it's really, really dramatic. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think the, right. the big arguments of our time are, you know, pulp or no pulp, crunchy or creamy, uh, first on Viv, second on Viv. I mean, I think those are, those are the big things that we need to figure out to bring us together as a society. So. Well, Will prefers second, let me tell you. I, I know, it's weird. That is weird. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Marianne Lee, you can find her all over the internet, but mostly find her on Twitter at BrandonHerFFB. Great stuff. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks to Brandon Marianne Lee for her time. You can check her out on a host of different outlets, but uh, definitely check out her work. But uh, as we get ready to wrap this up, first a tweet from Martin Baker. And Fabs, you can jump in on this with me too. It says, uh, I got mocked for picking up Brandon Cooks as a second-round draft pick. In your opinion, is that too soon? I'm a Patriots fan, so I've seen what he's capable of, and I believe he's going to thrive with the Rams, but is second round too early? This is from one of our, uh, our friends across the pond in, uh, in the U.K. Yeah, that's, that's far too early for me. Uh, I, I wouldn't have Cooks coming off the board until probably the fifth or sixth round, depending on the size of the league. Again, heck, I could be wrong here, but there's a lot of mouths to feed. Jared Goff seems to have a great rapport going on with Robert Woods and clearly with Cooper Cup as well. You've got an electric running back who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield there as well. And you know, from people I've talked to uh, that, are, that are close to the Rams and, and really keeping an eye on Rams camp, Jared Goff doesn't care who he's throwing the football to, Marcus. <laughs> the guy's open, he's going to throw it to as him. As long as you catch it. 
I just think there, there's just the target share really concerns me with Brandon Cooks. With that being said, it's your fantasy football team drafted as you wish. See, that's my thing. I mean, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't reach for him in the second round, but my you have to make picks that you can feel of confident. That you feel confident about that you can live with. If you have a team that you believe in, uh, you know, go for it. And in the end, look, the draft is certainly a big part of winning in fantasy football, but the draft alone does not win or you or lose you a league. You're still going to have to make trades, hit the waiver wire, do something. So, uh, well, what yeah. happens if you drafted, let's see, David Johnson in the first round last year, and then Mike Evans was your second round pick? Then you might be in trouble. But typically, yep. you're right. But typically, you are you're going to yeah. be right. Uh, as we wrap this up, give me that drum loop, please. This one comes from Cheese McFeely. Says, hey, MG, thank you so much for speaking the truth to the people about Poopity Scoop. I was hoping in the future you could also use Gurgat. Get, 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 which I find to be equally, if not more powerful. Cheese, I agree with you, but I think it's also fair to keep in mind that the Tingo stir up, pop, pop, ka, 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 skibiki, pop, pop, and a poop, boom, 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 skia, boom, boom. I have spoken. Dude, that was impressive. Man. You like that? Anyway, thanks to... That was impressive. Thank you. Thanks to Brandon Marianne Lee for stopping by as we wrap this one up. Thanks also to Michael Fabiano for sitting in, as always, for producer Christina. Enjoy the football games over the weekend. Always remember, EPR still sucks. We'll see you on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.